Hi, this is Gina recording my next See Gina Go. I wanted to kind of explain a little bit what I'm going to do today before I actually head out and do it. I am already in the car sitting in front of my apartment building. Um, since I last recorded, I've tried to record a few times and things haven't gone exactly like I had hoped that they would at least for these episodes. So I'm going to give it another go. Uh, what I kind of want to do is talk about a f- few trips that I actually have taken. I'm going to drive around here in the local area and visit a few different parks while I'm talking about some of the places that I visited recently that I didn't actually record because I was not on my own as I was hiking. So I'm going to have to figure out a way to be able to do that, whether it's taking the time on the trail to just sit down by myself and record while I'm in a group of other people, or just try, this is what I'm going to try today, is just kind of go over some of the things that I actually saw while I was out. Unfortunately, the part that feels really difficult about that all is that it's, hard not to be in this moment. I tried to sit in my at the table in my house and record about my hike up to Lake Dardanelles or the Dardanelles Lake. I don't know which it is, but one of those. And I just found it really hard to relive it all in my mind as I was actually sitting there at my table, which is a problem that I struggle with even as I'm writing a lot of times, it's hard for me to vacate mentally where I I am. I, I feel very surrounded by concrete and walls and uncomfortable feelings. And it's something that I've always struggled with uh, as a writer is my the majority of my writing comes from this present in moment how how I'm feeling is usually when when my best writing gets done and especially with things like fantasy writing even though I have a real purpose to it I don't have I don't know that how to how to explain it it's like different parts of my brain where I can access this this fantasy part is almost like I have to be able to leave everything else that's around me and actually just tap into to that that other place and I don't always know when it's possible uh, to be able to do that which is probably one of the reasons it's been such an extensively long time that I've been working on that particular part of my writing then dealing with the struggles and the ongoing difficulties of everyday life and trying to be um, creative and productive outside of that really makes things extremely difficult. The most recent of which I may or may not have already spoken about because it's been a while now that my computer broke and I have not been able to access the early parts of my story that I was sure that I really was just moments away from being able to self-publish. I have the app for it. I'm using Scrivener, and I was just going to push it through to a couple of different demos to see what I needed to complete and just go ahead and get that part of the story published so I could feel mentally, emotionally, and physically ready to move on to the next part of the book. But unfortunately, my computer crashed, and I have not been able to make any significant inroads to being able to recover the data off of that. Although I physically know how to do it, I don't have all the resources that I need to be able to pull that information off and some of it's been uh, financial difficulties and a lot of it has been uh, emotional difficulties. So I'm just trying to do my best and 
making my tiny little steps forward and today the part of it that was at all feeling like it spoke to me was that I could go ahead visit a few local parks and try to talk about the hikes that I had up to Lake Dardanelles or Dardanelles Lake. Hold on one moment. Somebody's coming to my window. Oh, I'm I'm her mom. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, no, no, because I just went. No, because I just seen your, your apartment number right there, and I thought I seen you there. So we have an appointment later today uh, for the air conditioner. Um. Yes. Yeah. One. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was just saying. I just, I just making sure because I got you up next, but that's still one. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I okay. should be back by then. Okay. No problem. No problem. I'll just check it. Okay. All I'll, right. I'll see you in a minute. Okay. Thank okay. you. Okay. Wow. Um, so as I said, I'm, I'm sitting in my uh, car. I though I'm just going to get ready to roll right here. I'm sitting in my car. And I'm going to head out now to the first park. Although I changed my mind about looking for it on a map first as he came up to me. So living in this apartment has been super, super difficult in just a, a variety of, of ways. Um, being in an apartment is difficult in of itself after owning land for so long and the land being the only thing that really felt like like it gave me a purpose as well as that physical connection for land uh, when I was really struggling emotionally I felt like I could just go sit with my hands in the dirt and and plant some flowers and somehow feel connected and, and that things would be okay so after losing the house and ending up here in this apartment I had really had resolved to be okay with like, all right, then I'll spend the rest of my time when I'm not actually physically connecting with the dirt. I'll go out hiking or I'll go for walks or I'll do something else to perhaps fill that space. But the system of this low income housing has been so dehumanizing on so many levels and it's things that I have have written about this toll that it takes for a human being to constantly confront their dismal reality in in life is hard enough but the way that the management and the institution of Mercy Housing, who are supposedly a part of, um, I want to say like the Sisters of Charity, like the way that they, they treat me as a human being living in this space by sending nasty letters all the time, by constantly invading our space with unnecessary inspections and not offering any of the things that would actually truly make it beneficial to have a place to live um, like feeling a sense of sanctuary inside of our own home or being able to use our home in the ways that would best serve our needs by having friends over or being able to maintain our car um, by um, constantly putting notes on our house with these comments that were in violation of lease by doing anything except paying the money in an exactly timely manner. It's just, it's just horrible. It's, it's dehumanizing is the only way that I've been able to express it. So, that man who just walked up to 
my car somehow had something to do with we're on low income supported housing and um, PG&E I guess is coming in to have something to do like inspect the filters or something and see this is another thing about it it's one both confusing and overwhelming to constantly deal with these things like to be honest that man who walked up bless his heart looked completely sketchy I mean he wasn't dressed in any sort of what I could say is like an official uniform in any way is wearing a t-shirt covered in tattoos and looked um, not at all official <laughs> together. Now, that's not saying that I don't know the realities of somebody who looks official and is very put together. I know that those people can and are harmful as well. And I guess the reality of all of it is like whether they're well put together or not well put together, I don't want to have these people in my space. And I don't feel like I have the right to say no because in order for me to be able to have help from PG&E to be on the low assistance program also comes with this agreement that people are going to violate my space constantly. So that is the, the reality of how these two things go together. So I'm just driving into Serrano Parkway right now, a gated community that I just drove right behind another car who was driving in because this is the first park that I wanted to visit. So I'm hoping that I'm not going to be as confusing to understand as I know that today is going to be confusing to me because I'm trying to put different pieces together like what's actually happening in the moment my want to be able to visit a few of these local parks to be able to feel enough in this outdoor space to be comfortable enough to talk about my hike up actually two hikes up to Dardanelles Lake and also moves a story forward of the time that I last spoke and how a few things have actually changed. I'm here at the park now, and I don't even know the name of this this park, except that I know that it's inside Serrano Village, like I said, behind a security gate. Although I have always wondered how that works because this is a public park and as far as I know a public park is open to the public which is me I don't know if the fact that it's behind a uh, gate that I'm could I be arrested for being here like is this a public street or is this not a public street or not a public park, do I have the right to be on the other side of a gate? And I think that overall, that's a really interesting question to ask in general and in a lot of ways, because I know that, say, I'm driving for Lyft or for Uber, I'm given gate codes to a lot of these 
gated areas. And under that premise, I'm allowed to, or ostensibly, I don't know, legally or ethically or whatever, but I'm allowed to go into these gated communities and move out of these gated communities the same way that, say, like maids might be able to come into these communities or landscape workers or garbage men might be able to come into these communities. But as long as we um, maintain our our position of doing our job, but even though I'm that same exact person who's allowed to come into this space under another premise, am I now allowed to be in this space under the premise of I just have a desire to be or I want to be here. So I'm sitting in my car looking at the park, um, watching some young boys ride up on their scooters, probably the same young kids again that I I would work with inside of the school. But, um, you know, these are all real questions that I have a lot of the time when it comes to class and privilege and human interaction and why in some cases it's perfectly acceptable to interact with certain people in certain spaces but in different spaces and in different circumstances it's not okay. People in this community will allow the gardeners to come and share this space as long as they're doing work. But if it's actually offering them a place to live or the ability for their children to play in this park, it's, it's, not, it's not allowed. And I've, I mentioned this before in, in, in different contexts, this, that I live under the umbrella of, of white privilege. I'm a 50-year-old white female who can very easily put on the exterior of being able to move in and out of these these spaces. I don't look like a threat, nor am I a threat because I'm fingerprinted through all of the different schools that I've worked in and volunteered in. I have a background in early education. I've been the director of a few different schools and been the advocate for families and women in advocating for getting their needs met and ensuring their safety and their emotional and physical health and and well-being. Um, But conversely, I'm also somebody who's lived financially under the the um under the label of of poverty in the United States uh, my income has been below 20,000 for close to uh, um 10 or 15 years now as a uh, single mother who's chosen to put the well-being of her family sometimes at the peril of finances, I've had to walk that borderline between having to put the resources being my time and my physical presence over finances, which, to be honest, a lot of people not only don't understand, but who put a pressure on me to behave differently. And again, I don't want to I don't want to overgo into all of this this right now, but I just want to to um point that out, I guess, because that's what's coming up for me in this moment as I'm as I'm sitting inside of this um this gated community which 
because we don't want an episode to go by without mentioning the beavers. It's um, that place where I talked about the air conditioning being across the street from the place that the beavers were when I was uh, walking. This is that housing development where, where that air conditioner was playing across the road from where those waterways are. This park itself is, I want to say, very almost uninspired, typical of of parks around here. Yet, as any park does, it, it has that excitement and, and beauty of a park. It's planned out green space with an open lawn. Why they picked these ugly pine trees, I will not know. They aren't at all lovely. But they have picked pine trees to um, make a small buffer of trees between the park and the roadway. But the play area is very common and typical of this day and age here. This plastic and metal play structure that the colors fade so quickly in the sun. So it doesn't look new or overly beautiful for an in-lawn period of time but it definitely makes a nice space for mothers and fathers and possibly even nannies to come and feel like they're in a park space that horrible bark that's underneath I have to say I've always liked sand better even though I know it attracts cats and things like that you can't walk barefoot on the bark it hurts it's painful but it all kind of gives us all beautiful illusion. There's a couple of women out right now who um, I'm assuming that some of these may be their children or it could be that they're just out walking their dogs. They both, I see a couple of dogs running up and down the park that are off leash, which again walks those lines of, if it was up to me, dogs would always be off leash and free to run around, but are laws state that they must be on leash and it makes it a little bit difficult for these owners feel that kind of duality of wanting to be a pet owner and actually having the ability to uh, meet the needs of the pets in this type of environment where they are suburban houses fairly close together they have a, a decent size side yard, front yard, backyard, but you definitely need this larger space to give these types of dogs a uh, run around. So that's the first park I'm here at. I um, actually have a backup phone now. That's one of the things that I wanted to talk about that has helped recently helped me emotionally, mentally, that um, a friend from my youth has, we've kind of reconnected, and one of the things that she offered to um, do for me is pay for me to have a phone. So that's has actually been extremely helpful in me being able to get done and take care of some of the things that I definitely have needed a phone number for and right after the time that she offered to pay for a phone for me and the time that she actually did, I tried to take care of some of the things that I needed to take care of without a phone, without a phone number. And it's shocking. And again, this whole being on this dancing edge of poverty, not being able to afford a phone on my own, or if I am able to afford a phone, it means that I'm not able to afford to leave the house ever. And I find it much more supportive to my emotional health to be able to put gas in the gas tank and be able to go out for a drive than it does for me to be able to pick up a phone and call people. So I was opting to keep my 
margin of option open and being able to put that 30 to $40 a month in gas rather than towards the phone. But I wasn't able to get my social security letter because I need a phone to be able to access my online social security account which again blows my mind that that can be a requirement. It's I feel lucky that I actually have been able to have access to a computer and that's only the one that we're able to access through my daughter's school that I honestly would have been without a computer completely as well if I had not had that one lucky portion of it. So um, dealing with that, trying to make sure that my food benefits were moving forward. I've had to um, fill out all the paperwork and, and renew all of that. And again, one of the requirements was a telephone interview, which I had previously borrowed a phone and called the food service office and said that I you know, I didn't have a phone. Could they contact me by email? They never did contact me by email. And it was almost by a stroke of timing that I realized that although I had received all the paperwork, that there was a telephone interview and that that um, day was that I was looking at the paperwork was actually the day of the telephone interview. So I, um, used my new phone that my friend had bought me and called and left a message and said, here's my new phone number. I know you're going to call today and was able to update my phone number. But had I not seen that and been able to update my phone number, had he not heard that message, I would have been in default of my food stamp paperwork, which again, I had called him and told him I didn't have a working phone. I left him my email address three different times during the voicemail and I never heard anything back from them. So it's like every single thing is not only this emotional struggle of dealing with the reality that I'm in such a tenuous part, but having to repeatedly open myself up to other people that I don't want to deal with, but I don't have any choice. Um, and it makes me feel victimized again. Like, why shouldn't I have the right to deal with these things within the capacity that I have the ability to? Like, why do I have to open my apartment every single month to inspection why do I have to constantly deal with those, these ongoing piles of paperwork that the system for whatever it is doesn't have the ability to see that I don't have the ability to cope with this on such a regular ongoing basis. And again, I've had times where I haven't dealt with them and I've lost the benefits and I've tried to deal with with it in an, in another way, like, can I find some other financial way to, to make up for it? It's just, it's just, it's just such a constant barrage What I do now that I feel like works best is on the days when I'm feeling I can, I get as much done as I can. Like I did fill out all the food paperwork. I was able to get through to the Social Security office and actually update all of my information and have new benefit letters sent which came just in time for that phone call for the food stamps. And in the meantime, I'm filling out the paperwork um, to try to apply for other low-income places to live, one of them being an artist community down in Sacramento. 
But to be honest with you, um, still having the ticket to deal with, I don't know that I can deal with living in Sacramento. So that part I'm just going to have to, again, I'm just taking baby steps every single time. I'm not promising myself things anymore. I'm doing the best I can on the days that I can. And like the last two days, I didn't get out of the apartment. I have this vision of like, oh my gosh, I have the days stretching ahead of me. Like if I could, I could just write hour after hour. Like I should be able to blast out a novel a week. It wouldn't it be amazing? And I really find that I can barely do more than eat, lay down, and have something playing in the background to occupy my mind. But that's the best I can do, so I'm going to do it. So I don't know that I'll be able to walk through the hikes, but I'm just going to give the little bit of details of the things that I hope that I'm either going to talk about in more detail when I can or at least share that I went to Lake Dardanelles. I went two weeks in a row, first with a hiking group, and the second week with a, um, I went with my daughter, and both times were amazing and beautiful and lovely. I appreciated that I was able to go as slow as I needed to go. I'm extremely out of shape. But I have always found that if I go slow enough and am able to stop and take things at my own pace, I'm able to keep going. And I guess that's such like a perfect metaphor, isn't it, for all of the things that I'm um, experiencing sweet because I hear the voices of children like playing in their backyard right outside of the um, car. Funnily enough, it's not actually the park, but it's another private backyard that's close by. Maybe the children are playing in the pool. So I hope it's all in the background of this because it is a lovely sound. I want to go on to the next park. I'm going to go back out of this Gated community, gated community, like that's a word or a legitimate thing. Gated community. All right, here's me on the map. I'm just pulling it up on my backup phone. So this is Allen Lindsay Park. Oh, maybe this isn't Allen Lindsay Park, or maybe it is. Oh, yeah, it's adjoining the um, middle school, which is p- um, public space. But again, there's a, definitely a fence between the two. It's a low fence. It looks like fairly easy that someone could walk over. But I will leave everyone else to ponder the ethics and morality of gated parks. As I think I will move on to the next closest park, which is Village Green Park. And before I go over here, I will say I've driven by this park many times. It's right next to our library, El Dorado Hills Library, which don't get me started about libraries because they're just mafia behind books, right? So I'm going to go over here to this Village Green Park. I've seen it many times, but I've never actually gotten out. So I'm going to put on my safety belt. Turn on my car. Put it in, put it in drive. to work my way back out through the gate.
It's interesting. I wonder, speaking of all our ethical and moral dilemmas today, I wonder if it's legal for me to drive with a recorder in my hand. I don't know. So I'm circling around the park. It literally is that small. And I am back at the gate at Serrano. And getting out is never an issue because the gates open automatically, which is the way that anybody who would have nefarious intentions could easily enter or exit any gated community, which always makes me wonder why people really care or bother anyway. What is... And is this, is this just an American obsession? Here's another really good question. Is this an, an American thing? Oh, here's some gardeners with their truckload of herbicide <laughs> pulled up in front of me. So is this, you know, this is my space and you can't come on it. Is that just an American notion? Or do you, people do this in other parts of the world? Because I did not find it, it was an English sort of notion. They much more are open to that every human being has the rights to be there. Now, just because there is that, quote, notion does not necessarily mean that it's the, the reality. I've actually been spending some of my time watching the Grenfell Tower debate and, um, well, tragic um, history and, and, and not even history isn't even the right word. It barely happened. It's, it's, it's a current event. Um, but just kind of fascinated with that whole how people there are dealing with this tragic event in a way that's both similar and dissimilar from, I want to say, um, an American's um, dealing with with such a, a tragedy. And I guess, I guess there the the big difference for me feels that at least in the UK that people feel like they have the right to openly say like there's something wrong here there's um there's a disparity and people are willing to actually listen to them where I don't feel that in the United States that although everyone says it's a free country and everybody's free to say what they what they like there's always a dehumanizing of certain factions of our society that really don't support that right that people have to say what they want because the people who are in authority have weapons that are stronger than the voices that are in the minority and not only will they use them, but they do use them. And that creates a very scary premise for anybody who wants to speak up against injustice. And there are a great many people who are doing it, and I appreciate that. But I have to say that that's that pure belief from the people who suffered through the tragedy that was Grenfell Towers even feel that they have a right to ask for something to me is um, like what must that be like to feel like you have a right to speak up for yourself mm. so I just pulled into the park that I've already forgotten its name of course, I parked under a tree very close to another car, as I knew I would be close to that car, and probably much to her dismay as well, there was somebody sitting in the car next to me, and even that little bit of a person next to me 
adds a little bit more discomfort in my freedom to want to talk, which is, I almost find amusing even unto myself because uh, she can't hear me. She doesn't know what I'm talking about. But I feel like she feels uncomfortable that I'm sitting here and I feel uncomfortable that she's sitting there and I don't want to look over her way. I tried to pull my car forward enough so that even if I look over my shoulder, I'm not looking directly into her driver's side. But there's another chick sitting in the car next to me and we're both feeling awkward about it. I'm looking around to see if there is another space for me to be able to park, but I don't see it off the top of my head. I am going to get out of the car in just a moment. The sprinklers are on at the park. And there's a boy, I don't know, maybe 9 or 10 fishing at the edge of this man-made lake, which I find pretty cute. That kind of reminds me of when I was little. My grandpa, he used to take me fishing sometimes. And we had a few places that we would go in Los Angeles that were literally like under the power lines in this so very obviously man-made lake but my grandpa would treat it like it was the biggest adventure and for me it was being with grandpa was awesome he was such a um such a charming man and I wish I had gotten more of that experience in my life to be around uh charming men who didn't constantly feel so stressed and struggled to uh, take care of their uh, family, but he really tried his best. He did a great job. My grandmother always felt so loved by him, and she always treated him with respect and kindness, and that was a really a nice thing to have in my in my repertoire. So... Again, I'm wondering if I can truly get out of the car and walk around. I feel like I'm in a little bit of an exposed place, but I think I'm going to give it a go. It might just be some quiet walking for a while. We'll see. Look, there's a little city lizard. Hi, little Lizzie. I did it. I got out of the car. I am outside. I could hear something that sounded almost like voices over a loudspeaker as I was sitting in my car, which made me feel a little bit uncomfortable about getting out of the car. But it turned out that the girl who was sitting in the car next to me was actually listening to her radio quite loud. So she's probably like me, podcast addict and couldn't get out and stop the story. Maybe sitting by the lake having her lunch listening to stories. So this is a um, an interesting little park and I'm glad that I did take the moment to come and see it and to get outside. It instantly transports me back down to Southern California, San Fernando Valley, this man-made landscape which can have an elegance and a beauty of its own I've always liked I've always liked the beauty of like architecture and landscape as much as I like the natural wildness of it so we have a couple of really really big I, I think these are Chinese elms Chinese elms. They're the same tree I had in front of my house growing up and they're lovely trees when they are left like this to grow naturally on their own. Their leaves are so tiny all over that it creates a beautiful feathery look. Not quite the same featheriness of like a weeping willow but and it definitely has an inviting canopy that one could climb up into if if one wanted to. So there's a couple of those. I don't know what this tree is. 
a pecan tree maybe. And here's a couple of oaks, the nice valley oaks, the ones that actually change color in the seasons and because these ones are are maintained and they don't have the spiky leaves on the bottom, they actually look quite pretty in this in this setting. And, and they're mingled in with other trees, a few of them that I'm not really sure what they are. Magnolia. This one almost looks like an orange. Which I can't imagine it would be an orange because this is not Southern California. Oh my gosh, it has some really interesting fruit on it that... How can I describe it? It looks completely unfamiliar. It looks like if you took a bunch of apples and you put them on a stem, like on stems like grapes, like a bunch of them, and then you mushed all of them together to form a banana shape. It's a banana shaped with these individual sections that are the color and textures of apples. Oh, I didn't bring my backup camera. Did we find out I can take pictures? I can't remember. Can you hear the birds too? It's a concrete walkway. Has some spots of goose poop here and there. So you can hear the gooses there. There's somebody about a hundred yards back um, walking behind me and of course I'm gonna feel uncomfortable about it so I'm gonna come over here to the edge of the water hopefully not feel too intimidated that I need to stop talking. So this is a man-made lake. I want to say maybe the size of three football fields. Oh, heartbreaking to me that I have to measure anything in football. trying to peer into the water to see if there are any fish in there because there's a boy fishing right across the lake from me. There's probably about 20 geese setting up here. Um, around the lake is a grass, grass parkway and on the side that that faces the road, there's a couple um, concrete sidewalks which are extremely wide and well maintained and well cleaned off. E easily fit a wheelchair up and around here. In fact, I do think that even into the parking lot there was um, an accessible ramp. So this would totally be a place that someone might be able to come, not only with uh, children in strollers, but yeah, with a wheelchair, which is kind of unusual. And then, as you'll be able to hear more and more, there's a man-made waterfall cascading down towards the, the corner to uh, try to present and affluent image to people who have spent their money to buy homes to live in this exclusive neighborhood. So I'm going to take the sidewalk and I'm going to walk all the way down to the corner here of um, Serrano Parkway and Silva Valley Parkway, which is catty corner from where my little beaver stream is. 
Oh, and I do have some updated news about that, those tall grassy things too. So many updates. But what I'm going to do is just follow the sidewalk around because I could see from the side of the lake that I was on that one could follow the sidewalk to the other side of the lake. And so I wanted to be able to to uh, follow that around to see if indeed somebody wanted to walk uh, circular around this lake and waterfall that they'd be able to do that on the sidewalk and sure enough as I round the corner coming back up I can see that it does indeed turn back into the park so I've cut across the grass here a little bit to see there's a three-tiered Again, man-made waterfall, and the architecture really is its lovely because you can't actually see the water from the street level because it's the uh, pond that's, that's up at the top. And it looks like it would be a brilliant place to, to climb and, and play around, but I'm sure nobody's allowed to actually go into the water these are the places where they'll put all this beautiful landscaping in and not want anyone to touch it or you know actually play on it so I'm being such a rebel right now I'm walking across their landscape rocks and I'm actually walking on the grass I'm telling you just out of control over here now I'm heading back up on the sidewalk, we've got some well-trimmed and maintained manzanita bushes and a large oak trees. And again, I see this now that what I didn't understand before and, and now whenever I see this open bare dirt, what I realize is all being drenched by herbicides to only allow the plants to grow that the uh, landscapers uh, choose to grow. And again, this frustrating dichotomy of, you know, we're growing green grass on this side that doesn't naturally grow here and wasting all this water and everything to give it this green illusion. And then right next to it, we're dousing the soil with herbicides to keep anything from growing that we don't want to grow. I mean, it's just freaking bizarre. Bizarre. So I'm back up at the level of the lake here. There's actually a few ducks here too. They look like female mallards. Three female mallards, which is an unusual grouping to see. And again, I don't know a whole lot about mallards. It could be that they're, they're young and they're in their time before they're actually going to mate. Or they could be another duck that looks like a mallard, but is not really a mallard. Here's a piece of plastic thing on the ground. Super string. I think somebody dropped a fishing line reel. So this walkway comes around. I'm like on the opposite side of the lake where I actually parked my car. And the geese... <laughs> must not get fed very often because they're actually moving away as I as I walk around. We've got a very barky dog over there in their backyard. Poor little doggy, probably locked up there all day. And we have some more trees growing here, some sycamores. Again, they're tall and well-maintained, nice distance together. You know, I think this is an oak tree, but I don't think it is a valley oak, although it could be, but it's got big, big leaves on it. Oh, what are you, tree? It could, these could be like maybe a maple tree. No, those aren't maple leaves, but they're similar to it. I don't know what they are. And then over here on this side, there's a field, which, like so many other fields around here, is just covered in star thistle. 
because when we whacked down that first set of weeds this year, they um, gave it the perfect opportunity for a star thistle to grow. There's a couple other um, various landscape um, bushes through here. I'm not exactly sure what they are. Just kind of shrubs inside the landscape. Oh, an oleander. Not. Oh my gosh, that scared me so bad. I just jumped. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know which birdie that is. You scared me, bird. I don't even see where you are. Oh my gosh, I'm like terrified to take a step forward. So there's a little man-made bridge over the back side of the lake here that has scary bird sounds on it. Oh, and again, they've made another um, human-made waterfall, but the illusion of it is all is all very pretty. It makes me wonder, like, who they did this for. Like, who are the people that actually use this park or come out here? There's um, a woman standing next to the boy on the, by the pond there. I'm actually walking away from the, the lake now. I'm still on this lake on the other side of the park from where the parking lot is. But I'm walking up away from the park. So I'm continuing on this concrete walkway uh, going around. And... Like I see so many other times, there's the sidewalk is swamped with water from sprinklers gone awry. And again, one thing they see constantly all the time, we're being told, conserve water, conserve water. But I see so many sidewalks being watered, most of which are at our own apartment complex. So a woman's just coming now in front of me. There's somebody using the park. She's jogging. Probably a 20-something year old. Living up here. And as I said, that another woman walked out and joined the little fishing boy over there. You know, the, I know the library is up here. But there's also some other buildings kind of nestled into the parking lot of this of this park, which, you know, gives me this thought of why it may have, have been built was to somehow house these offices that I actually think are the sales offices of a lot of these complexes up here. So it's probably where management works out of. They've um, right here built another bridge over that little man-made stream but this one is actually a road that <laughs> drives over the stream. As that car decided to go by to prove it with me. And they've made like a faux covered bridge, which is kind of interesting because it's got this weird <laughs> architectural style of this. We're trying to be over grand with our fake square columns and layers of rocks with gives that illusion of a, of a covered bridge but it all looks very fake and inauthentic like how can we give the illusion of a covered bridge using as few building materials as possible yet use enough building materials to make it look like it's something grand and making a statement so we'll put these columns of layered rocks. I've got to take pictures, right? Did we decide last time that it keeps... Oh yeah, I kept recording. Okay, so that's the bridge. And I'll take, actually, I'm, I walked over the bridge and I'm just going to turn around and walk right back over it again. 
I'm, I actually, as I, just before I walked over the bridge, I turned around and looked at the, the lake now off to my left, and it's kind of a neat vantage point being a little bit up on the hill here. So that's kind of, I'll take a picture of that too. Oh, no skateboarding, roller skating, rollerblading allowed. City ordinance. Wow. Which is kind of um, cute because there's some boys right here who I can hear hooting and hollering. We're just about to catch up with them who are indeed riding their scooters. So yeah, it's so nice to see young boys outside enjoying themselves on all this man-made glory. Yet at the same time you realize that they are in the position of getting themselves in trouble because they aren't supposed to actually be enjoying the park. They're just supposed to be looking at it. So guys like that in their big red trucks can drive by and feel like they're all that, right? Oh, I'm not a cynic. I'm not a cynic. Whew. Okay, so off to the left here. I don't think I had mentioned that there is a little gazebo structure as well, which is pretty because it's circular and, um, like I said, sits up at the hill just a little bit here. So I'm going to... Oh, you can't even tell from the picture. I'll have to find a better, I'll have to find a better angle for that. But I'm walking back towards the parking lot now, still on a sidewalk. So yes, again, this would be a good place for for wheelchairs here and the architecture of the buildings themselves aren't aren't bad they're square with large windows and stones and those overhanging ledges kind of gives it that what do you call it like rustic outlook outpost i i'm not really sure what to call it but with that big roof like that it gives it like a big like fire tower look almost like they would be uh, up in the mountains so they're trying to create this austere look they're trying to be very ostentatious like oh aren't we have a lot going on here making everything overly big and overly grand but it doesn't look bad it just looks contrived so we've got um I'm going to walk into the parking lot a little bit and read a couple of the signs because not only is it the library and this park and what I suspect are the management offices, this is Parker Development Company. So I think that they have something to do with the overall development of this area as far as, I guess, the community spaces. Then there's also a few um, businesses. One's called Above the Gate, Roth. Edward Jones, Smile, is that a dentist? Orthodontics. I don't know what that above the gate is. Hmm. I'm out here walking. I might as well walk around. It's funny. I do feel a little bit, what's the word, conspicuous. I'm walking around holding my phone. I'm not in business attire. I'm wearing a tank top, barefoot walking around talking on my phone and it is very easy to feel like you stand out in some way in these areas if you don't have the appearance and like I was saying before I can do the proper blend in appearance but I have it today hair and pigtails tank top on oh above the gate is a dentistry office as well so yeah it's really interesting because like the foreground of all of this um, all of these buildings are landscaped but then the fields just behind are all just kept mowed down and are all gray and, and dry and up on the hillside there uh, it looks like there was a uh, fire quite recently the hillside's all blackened right up to the houses
Can you hear the airplane flying over? So the midday sprinklers are still running. As I um, have almost completely circled back around to my car. Oh, and a few more pictures. I didn't get a picture of the hillside where the fire was, but not quite at the right angle. Well, that completes the circle of the tour of the park. It looks like the boy fishing still hasn't caught anything. And it also looks like whoever was in the car next to me, I wonder she's probably annoyed that I pulled right in front of her, blocked a view of her son fishing, so she did get out of the car. There's also a couple private security trucks with, of course, they always have the best and the finest. And where do they get that money from? Oh yeah. From people who are also living 24 hours a day and working dang hard and don't have any of that. It's hard not to feel the disparity. Okay, well, I'm just about I'm back in my car and I looked out and there's a blue heron over there. So I wish I had uh, seen it a little sooner. I might go take a picture of it. I think I'm going to stop for now.